0: Father in heaven, we are humbled that we can be your children. We are humbled, Lord, that you want to help us. And we are humbled by the invitation to walk with you, not only here in this world, but at one day on the streets of gold. And Lord, we look forward to that time. We pray that this morning's study would help us in that direction. Bless us now, Lord, we ask, in Jesus' name, amen. Please turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Romans, Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6 and verse 4, I'm going to share with you a little piece of advice this morning. That I believe, if you put it into practice by God's grace, you will be in the kingdom of heaven. How many of you like that kind of advice? I mean, that's really what we're here for, right? We're not we're not here to build comfortable buildings, comfortable churches. Although uh, we praise the Lord for our church, and and I enjoyed seeing the video last week of uh, uh, some younger versions of you all, and uh, and and the whole construction and and. You know, really, the masterpiece was how they put together this, this, uh, this stained glass window behind us. We're thankful for this. But really, what we're here for, this is just a vehicle to get us to the kingdom of heaven. Amen? Uh, Romans chapter 6, and we are looking at verse 4. The Bible says this, Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. It's very interesting that the Christian experience in the Bible is oftentimes referred to as a walk. The Bible refers to baptism, when we are baptized, that we rise up again to walk in newness of life. Romans chapter 8 and verse 1, the Bible talks about not walking after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 15, walking not as the fools, but as the wise. 2 John verse 4, walking in faith. Romans chapter 13 and verse 13, walking in honesty. Second Corinthians 5, 7, walking by faith and not by Constantly throughout the Bible, the, the Christian experience is referred to as a walk. And I think there's a lot of interesting analogies that can be pulled out of the concept of walking. When you walk, you are getting further away from something, but closer to something. Are you not? When you leave your car uh, to go into the store, you walk to the store, and as you are walking, you get further from your car but closer to the store. And that's a fitting description of our experience as God's children. We are walking, and as we walk, we are getting further from the world by God's grace but closer to Jesus, amen? We're walking. We're on a journey together. Now, I remember one day, many years ago, before I had children, I had this idea about learning how to walk. How many of you remember when your children first began to walk? Grandchildren, right? You know, Remember, it's, it's a great experience when your children begin to learn how to walk for the first time. And, and, I, and, and as I watched my children learn how to walk, what an amazing experience it was. Verity is finally getting to that point now where she can crawl around and she's starting to pull herself up on her feet. And I said, uh-oh. Lord have mercy, I'm going to have three of them running around my house now. Right? So, so, so they're learning, when, when a child learns how to walk, as a parent, do you encourage them, yes or no? <laughs> Are you sure? <laughs> sure, you encourage them. You want, you want them, this is a very fundamental thing they need to learn to, uh, to, 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 to integrate into society. They need to learn this process of walking. But here's the interesting thing. When a child finally determines in their mind that they want to walk just like everybody else, they may not think this. But by virtue of making that decision that we want to walk, we are also acknowledging the risk that when we walk, we might what? Right? Isn't that what happens? You know, I used to think that babies wore diapers because they fell so much. I have hence been re-educated. But, but when, you, when you learn how to walk, you are taking the risk that you might fall. In fact, <laughs> I don't even have to say might. You will fall. But, but when a child falls, when they're learning how to walk and they fall, do you say, ah, forget it. You're never going to get it. You might as well just keep crawling around on all fours. No. As a parent, what do you do? What do you do? You encourage them. Come on, you can do this. Get back up. You know, you, you hold them and you, you, you try to help them and, you, and you, you stand on the other side of the room to encourage them to come over. to You do everything you can for them to learn because you realize how important this is to their existence. And it's no different in our Christian experience. We have some who have begun that walk today. We have some who have begun that walk not too long ago in the past. We have some that are yet to begin that walk in the future when they get baptized. We're all had different experiences, but we are all walking. And it's funny that even now that I am 37 years old, I still fall. Physically, right? You, you trip and you fall. I mean... I've been walking for for 37 years, but yet I still fall every now and then. Is it much different in our Christian walk? Turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Proverbs. The wise man makes a very interesting statement here. You probably know where I'm going. Proverbs chapter 24 And verse 16, Proverbs 24, and verse 16. The Bible says, For the just man falleth seven times and riseth up again, but the wicked shall fall into mischief. What do the righteous and the wicked have in common? They both what? They both what? They both fall, but they have a fundamental difference. They deal with their falling in a different way. The Bible says the just man, what does he do? Uh, what, what does the Bible say? He said The Bible says he rises up again. Of course, he gets up. That's what you said. But the word that is used is rise up, and that's an important word. In the Hebrew, that word means to endure. What does it mean? It means to endure, and it's very interesting to me that Jesus tells us in Mark chapter 13 and verse 13, he that endureth unto the end, the same shall what? So, so, so Solomon is telling us here a fundamental thing that is important to our salvation, that if we fall, that when we fall, that we what? We endure, we rise up again. We don't wallow in our misery. We don't stay down there. We don't give up on the whole experience, but we rise up again. We endure unto the end. You know, here's an interesting thing. The Bible tells us about a man back in the Old Testament, in the book of Genesis. His name was Enoch. How many of you remember him? What do you remember about Enoch? The Bible says he walked with God and God what? God took him. But let me ask you a question. Did Enoch sin? He sure did, didn't he? The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But what did Enoch do? When he sinned, what he did? He rose up again. He got back up. He was a just man. He endured unto the end, and he continued that walk with God. He got back up, and he continued to move forward, drawing closer to God. And eventually, where did that end, uh, end up in? Him being translated into the kingdom of heaven. The just man, the righteous man, the child of God endures unto the end. Listen, you are going to fall. You are going to stumble. You are going to slip along the way. You're going to make mistakes that you regret. But the just man, the Bible says, riseth up again. He endures unto the end. When you make the decision to walk as a Christian, you are acknowledging that at some point you might slip along the way. But God will help you to rise up again. Now, go with me in your Bibles to the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 14. I want to look at a story. I like to try, if I can, I like to try to find a story to illustrate these different concepts that we see in the Bible. Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. Bible says this And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side well he sent the multitude away And when he had sent the multitude away he went up into the mountain apart to pray and when even was come he was there alone And the ship was now in the midst of the sea tossed with the waves for the wind Was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. Now, this was uh, a time when they wanted to force Jesus to become the Messiah, and he was dispersing the crowd. He told his disciples, Get into the boat and go to the other side. Well, he sent the multitude away. And I always love this story that when Jesus was on this mountaintop experience where they wanted to make him a king here on this earth, he departed and he went into the mountain to spend some time with God. Spent some time in a solitary place. But then in the middle of the night, as a story is told, there's a storm that comes on the lake. And Jesus gets out and he walks on the water to go to his disciples. How many of you would like to have seen that? Well, apparently the disciples weren't too thrilled when they saw it. Right? You know, the Bible tells us that they were a little fearful. Notice what it says as it goes on in verse 26. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit, and they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. Were they afraid when they saw Jesus walk on the water? You think you would have been? Middle of the storm, middle of the night, winds blowing, boat chopping around all over the place. Jesus is no longer, but incidentally, This experience is after the one when Jesus was actually in the boat with them. You remember that time he stood up and said, peace be still? This is after that. Now they're there all alone and they see this mysterious being walking on the water. The Bible says they're afraid. You probably would have been as well. I know I would have. But the best part of the story is now where the Bible says this, verse 27. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I. Be not afraid. We don't need to be afraid when we're in the presence of God. And Peter answering and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. What a prayer request. I mean, Peter, listen, you are a fisherman. You understand The physics of water, right? They're in the middle of a storm here. And he's saying, Lord, if it be thou, bid me to come unto thee on the water. And the next verse is absolutely amazing. Verse 29, and he said, no, you didn't get it. He said what? He said, come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he what? Walked on the water to What an amazing experience. Peter walked on water. Is it possible, physically speaking, to walk on water? It's not, right? I mean, if I went to Lake Michigan and said, I'm going to, everybody, I'm going to walk on water, what's going to happen? You would have said, That is not my pastor. (laughs) Right? It just doesn't work, right? It doesn't work that you can walk on water. But here's the amazing thing to me. Jesus can speak one word and make the impossible a possible. Did you catch that? He said, come, one word, four letters, and that one word created the ability for Peter to do the impossible. Now, listen to me carefully. You, as you walk the Christian experience, humanly speaking, you are doing the impossible. You can't do it on your own. There is no way that you can walk the way God wants his children to walk by yourself. You are in the same situation that Peter was in. If Peter had just gotten out of the boat, he would have sunk. If you try to walk the Christian experience, you're gonna sink if you do it on your own. But all you need is the word of God to give you the power to do the impossible. Not only the word of God, but you have to believe in the one who is speaking that word. Did Peter believe Jesus? He could have, Jesus could have said, come, and Peter, I'm just going to stay here in the boat. Sure, I know he says it, but I don't believe that he can do it. No, he had to believe in that word. And as he believed in that word, he was able to do what God asked. So he says, come, and Peter does the impossible. Let me break this down for you make it very simple. How do we walk? How do we walk with Jesus? Of course, it's daily. But let's even make it more fundamental than that. When Peter was in the boat and Jesus said, come, by Peter's actions, what was he saying to Jesus, yes or no? He was saying yes. By his actions, he was saying, yes, I'm going to obey. Walking with Jesus is very simple. When Jesus asks, you say yes. When Jesus says, this is the way I want you to go, you say, yes, Jesus. When Jesus says, this is what I want you to do, you say, yes, Jesus. When, he's, when Jesus says, this is something that is not good for you, and I want you to give it up, you say, yes, Jesus. When God comes and says, I want you to rearrange your schedule so that I can spend time with you in the morning so that you can come to church on the weekend, you say yes. When Jesus asks you to do something, you say yes, and in saying yes, you are walking with Jesus. It's very simple. It's not a complicated thing. Saying yes, Jesus is walking with Jesus. Now, of course, the story doesn't end there, does it? Remember what I said? When you learn how to walk, you're taking the risk that you're going to. Let me show show you how you fall. Next verse, the Bible says that, well, actually let's continue with verse 29. And he said, come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Verse 30. But when he, who's he? But when he saw the winds boisterous, He was afraid, beginning to sink, and cried, saying, Lord, save me. That's right, Eric. He took his eyes off Jesus. How do we fall? What is it that causes us to fall? According to the story, what did Peter do? He started looking at the storm around him. He started looking at what was going on around. He saw these big, angry waves and the wind and everything like that. And as he saw it, fear gripped his heart, and he began to lose his foot and slip back into the water. And as he realized that cold water was coming up his calf, up to his knee, up to his leg, up to his waist, as he felt himself sinking into the water, he did the only thing that he knew he could do at that time, and that was to cry to Jesus. A simple prayer, Lord, save me. Verse 31, it says this, and 10 minutes later, Jesus stretched forth his hand. And the next day, Jesus came to his aid. Come on now, correct the preacher. What does it say? When Peter prayed that prayer, Lord, save me, how quick was Jesus to answer that, that prayer? Bam. Faster than you could think it happened. When he cried and said, Lord, save me, Jesus was there instantly, stretched forth, grabbed his hand, and pulled him up onto that solid foundation. The just man falls seven times and riseth up again. So here's a couple things. We walk by believing in the word of God and saying, yes, Jesus. It enables us to do the impossible. We fall when we start looking to other things. You know, what does Jesus say? He says, look unto me and be ye, be ye what? Look unto me, he says, and be ye saved all the ends of the earth. When I keep my eyes on Jesus, it helps enable my salvation. Look unto me, he says, and be ye saved. So I fall when I begin to look at things around me. I fall when I start listening to what other people are saying about me. I fall when I start getting attracted by the things of the world. I fall when I get involved in in, in worldly forms of entertainment. I fall when I take my eyes off of Jesus. That's how I fall. And when I realize that I'm slipping into the slew of despond, into the quagmire of sin, there's one prayer to pray. Lord, save me. And from the story, you can bet that just as quick as Jesus answered the prayer of Peter, he will answer your prayer as well. Just like that, he will be there to answer your prayer and to put you on a solid foundation. A couple more passages and then we'll close. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Sometimes we need a bit of a reality check. 1 Corinthians 10.12. Scripture says this. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed, lest he fall. If you think you're doing okay, be careful. That's what Paul's saying. If you think you've arrived, be careful. That's what Paul's saying. If you think you're better than other people, be careful. That's what Paul is saying. Let him that thinketh he standeth, take heed lest you The difference between a child learning how to walk and me walking the spiritual walk is that I need my heavenly father, my daddy, to have his hands underneath my armpits holding me up and helping me constantly to walk. Praise the Lord I don't have to do that with my children. <laughs> but, but that's the difference. I need, I need Jesus there to hold me up. I need, I need that help every day to guide me and to keep me faithful in walking the spiritual walk. I just can't do it on my own. If I do try to do it on my own, if I say, Daddy, please stop, I can do this on my own, I'm going to fall. And now to my favorite text, Micah. Micah. Oh, I love this text so much. Micah chapter 7. Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, and then Micah. Micah chapter 7. Don't miss this one. Chapter 7 and verse 8. Mark it down and mark it well in your notes. Micah chapter 7 and verse 8, the Bible says this. Rejoice not against me, O mine enemy. When I fall, I shall arise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be a light unto me. Let the people of God say amen. This is what we say to Satan when we fall. Rejoice not against me, O mine enemy. When I fall, I shall arise. There is no other option in the mind of the saint. The saint does not even entertain the possibility of staying down. The saint does not even entertain the possibility of giving up on the Christian walk. That is not, doesn't even enter into their mind. The only option in the mind of the righteous is to get back up again. Rejoice not against me, O mine enemy. When I fall, I shall arise. Don't forget that. You might need it this next week. If you slip along the way, if you stumble along, the devil tries to get you to think you just need to give up. When I fall, I shall arise. Listen to the Steps to Christ, page 64. It says this, we shall often have to bow down and weep at the feet of Jesus because of our shortcomings. But we are not to be discouraged Even if we are overcome by the enemy, we are not cast off, not forsaken and rejected of God. No, Christ is at the right hand of God who also maketh intercession for us. Have you been at that experience where you've had to fall down and weep at the feet of Jesus because of your shortcomings? That's a good place to be. Lord, help me. Lord, help me. I've fallen again. I've tried to do it on myself again. I've stumbled again. Lord, help me. Remember, Jesus loves to answer those kind of prayers. He's there. He's ready to help you and to give you the strength to do the impossible. Last text, Jude, book right before Revelation. Jude, I can't help but end on this Bible passage, Jude verses 24 and 25. Last Bible passage, Jude verses 24 and 25. Scripture says this, now unto him that is able to keep you from, I like that, some translations say stumbling, others say falling, now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise God our Savior be glory and glory and majesty, dominion, and power, both now and forever. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling. According to the Bible, it is possible to not fall. I heard a couple of amens. Do you like that idea? I don't know about you, but it hurts me when I fall. Hurts my pride. But it hurts my body as well. But according to the Bible, as Christians, we can get to the point where we don't fall anymore. Because the Bible says, now unto him that is able to keep you from falling. Not, Not anything that I can do of myself. But as I grow to constantly depend upon God, I can get to the point where I will no longer fall. Would you say amen to that? Well, I have victory. Where the devil can't stumble or trip me up and cause me to stumble and fall along the way. Where I have perfect confidence, not in my power, not in the power of the church, not in the power of Bible doctrine, not in the power of anybody else other than God that keeps you from falling. Do you believe that this morning? That's the goal. That's the goal. To get to the point where Jesus can keep you from falling. You know what Revelation describes that as? Overcoming. The saints of God in the book of Revelation are described time and time again as overcomers. Depending upon their daddy to keep them from falling. I want that experience. How about you this morning? Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we are so thankful that you've invited us to walk together with you. And Lord, I've already said it. We we can't do this on our own. We try. We stumble. We fall. We make mistakes. We bring, we bring, uh, we make you look bad in the process. And Lord, we're tired of that. And we want you to hold us up and to keep us from falling. But, Lord, remind us that if we do fall, that we shall rise again, that we will not let the devil rejoice over us, but that we would rise as conquerors and as fighters in your army. Lord, bless us, I pray, to this end. Keep us faithful to you, I pray.